Well, amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. <clears throat> I don't know about y'all, but I needed that worship service today. It has been a week. Uh, Wednesday, I've uh, been fighting with the insurance to get my pods or insulin pods in and uh, didn't have them. So when I woke up Wednesday, I was 566. Those of you that know blood sugars know that's extremely high, and I should have gone to the doctor or hospital, and I did not. So I'm here, I'm doing better, the pods finally came in, which is good. A lot of you know that Amanda was recently diagnosed with diabetes, and it looks like Leah may be going that way as well. So I have been spiritually beaten up, physically beaten up <laughs> by the enemy this week. And I'm hearing a lot of stories when I came in this morning of a lot of people that have been going through the same thing. So we needed that service this morning. We needed that worship this morning and singing to Jesus. I felt like a spiritual dam broke. And uh, I don't know if anybody else did, but I did. And it felt wonderful. I want to welcome everybody to Family Sunday. No, there is no children's service this Sunday. We want everybody to worship together on the fifth Sundays when they come up. So we appreciate that, and it's good to see those we haven't seen in a long time and some new ones we haven't seen before. So we appreciate everybody for coming um, and being a part. All right, so today, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of John, that is the Gospel of John. In the New Testament, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And today we're going to be talking about the miracle of Jesus turning the water into wine. But before we get there, I'd like to tell you a little bit about a miracle that really never was a miracle. And in honor of Family Sunday, I think you'll like this story. A family of farmers, Ma, Pa, and their son Jim, take a trip to the city. And they walk into a shopping mall for the very first time. They'd never been in one. They gape in awe at all the shiny surfaces the gleaming store windows full of fancy stuff. And before long, the boys wander off and leave them all looking at a kiosk of crystal jewelry. Paul and Jim find themselves in front of the elevators. Now, they had never seen such a thing before, so they stop and they stare, wondering what sort of strange city doors these are. A little old woman, wrinkled and bent low, slowly taps her way into the elevator with her walker, and the doors close with a ding. The lights above the elevator begin to flash. And a moment later, the doors open with another ding. And a tall, 20-something blonde saunters out into the mall. And the country boys are just agape at the sight. And then the Paul says, Boy, go get your mother. So we're in the Gospel of John this morning, and it was written between 90 A.D. and 100 A.D. Scholars also believe that John wrote the three epistles in the book of Revelation around the same time frame as he wrote this Gospel. The Gospel of John was written after both Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and had been written and circulated amongst the people. So John has been dubbed by most scholars, by the way, as the spiritual Gospel. We are in John chapter 2, verse 1. And it'll be on the screen for you if you don't have a Bible. 
On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to do, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone. And according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now, and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom, And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. The beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. And after this, he went down to Capernaum. He, his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. For this story, there's so many things to learn out of it, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would use me to speak truth. Lord, uh, I'm hoping you can use me, because if you can use a donkey, and, and I'm willing, I just ask that you would speak to all of our hearts, that you would change us, that we could say that when we left this place, we were never the same again. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And the people said, Amen. All right, today's life principle, if you remember nothing today, be thankful for where God has you and that he cares about the little things. Be thankful for where Christ has you right now in your life. That's point one. We're going to look at the first five verses. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. We're not going to spend a lot of time here, though we could. Um... So I'm not going to keep you for a long time today. And you know every time a preacher says he's not going to keep you a long time, you just need to kind of dig in and wait it out, right? That's a joke. Some of y'all get that on the way home. Now Jesus and his disciples, they go to Galilee, and they specifically Cana of Galilee for a wedding that Jesus' mother was to be at. And he was invited along with his disciples as well. And a practical problem arises. They have run out of wine. And during this time, it would be shameful to run out of wine before the wedding feast has ended. So, in order to save face, they know that they have a real-world problem. And it's arisen, but only one person who's there knows how to fix it. Mary, Jesus' mother, knows that Jesus can fix this situation. And so, like many of us, she goes to Jesus and says, they have no wine. Well, there's a couple of things this request has to it. Number one, 
It is a need that will help keep people living the life that they have been living. In other words, it will not cause a break in what they're currently doing. Now, is this need a matter of life and death? No. Is the need something that people could live without? Well, sure, you don't need a whole bunch of wine. Was the need brought to Jesus' attention out of a sense of awe and submission? No, not really. And that it, would, it was going to cause a gentle rebuke, actually, of his mother. Number two, if the need is not met, then everyone involved in the wedding will have shame brought upon them. Because it was shameful to run out during a time of celebration. Now, this does not mean that maybe shame should not have been brought on them, even though Jesus ultimately stops this outcome. God is not there to help us save face, though many times he does help us save face according to his sovereign will. There are many people at many times that will say, Lord, I did a stupid thing. Let there be crop failure on that. In other words, let not, let not that come to fruition. Let not that grow. Because, Lord, I said something stupid, or I did something stupid, or, or something happened, or, or, Lord, this is beyond my control, you know, help me. Now, we find something interesting here in the Scripture. And he says, woman. Now, the way that's translated, that sounds kind of bad, doesn't it? In our language, the term woman here would be misinterpreted to be something pretty unflattering or even rude. But that's not what it means. You see, in the Greek, it is a term of respect. Maybe not one of warmth, but a term of respect. And so Jesus isn't being rude to his mother, as some have said in the past, but it is a gentle rebuke telling her that his time had not yet come. What does that mean? Time for what? Time to reveal his ministry publicly. That's what that means. We call this Jesus' first public miracle, but... Really, it wasn't when you think about it, because only the servants knew. His disciples knew, and his mother knew. Not all the guests of the wedding feast, nor the officiants of the feast, knew what Jesus had done. They just knew that they had good wine. Well, how does this apply to us today? There are a lot of times we get frustrated, because what we are doing for God seems to be in the background. Times when we feel nobody notices us. In these times, we have to remember who we're doing it for. Are we serving to serve Christ or to get the recognition of man? Are we serving for our purposes, for others' purposes, or for the purposes of Christ? That's the question you've got to ask yourself, especially when you get frustrated. Also remember that your time of service may not have yet come. Yes, you're working for the kingdom of God, and it may seem small to you, but it isn't. There are many in church that do the work of the ministry every week in the background, whether that's changing the AC filters or turning on the AC every Sunday or off the AC every Sunday. That's an important job, especially here in Florida. Now, that's not right up front and nobody really notices, but if it didn't get done, I bet you'd notice. Colossians 3.22 says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them at all times, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Working willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. 
Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. 1 Corinthians 12.12 says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body was an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and less important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together <clears throat> such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. And here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in an unknown language? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. But we are all a part of the body if we are saved by Christ. We are all important. Number two, be thankful that God cares about what we would consider the little thing. Be thankful about God who cares about the little things. John 2, 6 says, Now, there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have all well drunk, then, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Canaan of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. And after this, he went down to Capernaum. He, his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. You ever notice Jesus doesn't do things part way? If he heals, he heals completely. If he turns water to wine, he makes it the best wine there ever was. 
He didn't turn the water into cheap wine, but the best wine. And you could taste it. So here we are, and Jesus tells the servants to use the most readily available thing that gets taken for granted all the time, and that's water. Water even today is taken for granted, but trust me, when you don't have any water, you don't take it for granted. You know, a couple of summers ago, our water pump went out and it took us three days before someone could come out and get it replaced. Them were the longest three days of my life. Um, not having water in your home would definitely make you more appreciative for the times when you do have it readily available. I'll tell you that right now. So Jesus takes the most readily available thing, the most mundane thing, and he turns it into something valuable, or at least that was seemed valuable. That is, he turns it into wine. But not just any wine, the best wine anyone has ever tasted. It was so good that the master of the wedding feast, he stops to praise the couple for holding back the best wine until the end. How many people know that when all looks lost, you're at the end of your rope, God can turn it around? And he does. He comes through in his own timing, though, doesn't he? Not as fast as you think he should make it come through, but he comes through at his own time. How many times have you been like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to, y'all don't, y'all don't hold up your hands or anything, but how many times you've been like, Lord, how long you going to take? I can only handle so much. Yeah, he knows those times, and he eventually comes through. And that's a faith-building exercise. Because God will build your faith in that time of crisis. 2 Peter 3.8 says, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. There are many in this church I know can testify to that fact. There are many in the church who knows what it's like to receive, how about this, an unexpected bill that's got to get paid right away, but there's only one problem. You ain't got the money. Then, like, out of nowhere, the funds just start coming in, or the pay, or, or you pay it, and it seems like the money just lasts the rest of the month when it shouldn't. I've been in both of those situations. How about this? When, when we found out, Miss Vivian and I found out that the, the AC had finally kicked the bucket, that 28-year-old AC finally kicked the bucket, you realize that AC was, had, had been around as long as I've almost had diabetes. I've had it for 29 years. I figured that up this morning. And uh, you should have seen the look on her face and my face at the time. Like, oh, well, the Lord's going to have to do something because we ain't got that kind of money in the general fund. And he came through, didn't he? He moved on our hearts. He caused things to happen. And people gave, and y'all are sitting in nice cool AC, and you're walking in nice cool AC back here. And, they, and the cafe had AC this morning, didn't it? You got your coffee, and you got to eat breakfast. And just like that, God moves. We serve a supernatural God. But here's one thing, he does things his way and in his timing. You got to remember that. These may not seem like miracles, well, he didn't do much, you know, he just made the money last. No, that's a lot. Well, he didn't do much, he just made the food last. No, that's a lot. That's absolutely a lot. 
They may not seem like miracles, but they are. God cares even for your finances. God cares and does miracles all the time. Like this wedding feast. He did a miracle, but not everyone knew it at the time. Just like he does miracles today, whether that's health, finances, and some days even our mental ability to get through the day. We should praise him when we see things happening in our lives and in our ministry. What is our ministry? You say, Pastor, we're not in the ministry. Oh, yes, you are. You've been called to share the gospel from here. And let's, put it in, let's put it in our terms, okay? You've been called to share the gospel in Mineola, Claremont, Orlando, and to the ends of the earth. That is your ministry. Wherever you go, you're to share the gospel. That's a big ministry. Praise Him in it. We should see things happening in our lives and in our ministries. And our ministry right here is the local church. Everybody asks me, Pastor, let's be honest. How are we going to grow this church? <laughs> I'll tell you right now, like I told you in the past. Take your hand. Come on, take one of your hands, put it in front of your face. Look at that hand. Thank you, Miss June. Look at that hand. <laughs> you are the hands of Christ. That is a hand of Christ. That's how you're going to grow this ministry. You can put your hands down now if you like. That's how you're going to grow this ministry. That's how you're going to grow this church. You are going to share Jesus with your hands and with your mouth. I had a man one time who couldn't speak and he, said, he, he had one of them little robot voices. He said, God called me to preach and I still can't preach because I lost my voice. And he was standing in front of a church of about 40 people when he said it. And I looked at him later, I said, brother, what did you just do? And he looked at me like I was stupid. Now he was a deacon and we were good friends so I could do this. I said, what did you just do? He said, I spoke to about 40 people in, in a recovery program. I said, uh-huh. And what did you do most of the time? Did you talk about you or the recovery program? No, I talked about Jesus. I said, okay. So what were you doing? Well, I was speaking about, no, what were you doing? I said, then I said, you were preaching the word of God. A tear went down his eyes. He never thought of it. But after running from God for over 40 years, he came to Christ. Folks, that's the ministry. The ministry we're called to is the ministry to share Jesus wherever we can. Now this man, he knew he was called to, to be a preacher. And when he lost his voice, he thought he lost all hope. He had come to Christ, he got throat cancer. And then he said, God, I guess I'll never fulfill that call you put on my life. And God went, oh yeah? Watch this. Hold my Coke. And he did. That same man, that same man, he had to buy an extra battery because he'd wear one out talking to somebody about Jesus on the street. He always carried one in his top pocket. 
I said, Brother Al, how many batteries did you go through today? At least two. I said, that's what I thought. (laughs) He was a soul winner, folks. So what's our excuse? What's your excuse? If he can do it with no voice, we have no excuse, do we? Where are you today? As the ladies come for singing, remember this. Be thankful for where God has you and that he cares about the little things. Be thankful for where God has you and that he cares about the little things. You know, first of all, if anything I said to you seems ridiculous, maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you need to come to know him. And, you know, we can introduce you to him, but we can't save you. That's just Jesus. Jesus was born of a virgin for 30 years, did signs, wonders, or for 30 years he lived. Three years he did signs, wonders, and miracles, proclaimed himself the Son of God, equal with God, the second in the Trinity, God himself in flesh, went to the cross, a cross he didn't deserve because he was sinless, he was perfect died on that cross, and then three days later rose again from the grave and declared victory over death, hell, and the grave. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's what gospel means, by the way, good news. If you're watching online or via podcast, that's the gospel. If you 